The Start On Demand. On demand. As we get ready for May long and that great weather we're expecting, the best in the country, so says Environment Canada, the province changes its messaging from stay home to stay safe. Will you start visiting or hosting friends or have you already done it? After the news that Segovia, popular restaurant in Osborne Village, is closing and Tony Roma's is closing its Nairn Avenue location, we'll check in with our friend Scott McTaggart from Fusion Grill to see how his restaurant has been doing since they had to switch to takeout and delivery. And I bought a bag of chips over the weekend that left me less than happy. Which weird potato chip flavors have you tried? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling of... I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and this is the Thursday, May 14th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and I got to get something off my chest, uh, something I've been holding on to since the weekend some excess baggage if you will because i did something over the weekend i've never done before and it's based on a level of disappointment that i've never felt before i bought a bag of potato chips i have never tried the flavor was cheeseburger (laughs) the kind of chips were ruffles and i had a handful of them and i threw them away i threw the bag away they were disgusting that's, That's when you know chip. you've got a bad chip, man. If you can't finish a bag of chips, and I don't mean you, I mean the collective you. When the chips are so bad that you can't power through, that's a bad chip. Yeah. I mean, Inedible potato chips? I couldn't believe it. I thought cheeseburger chips? This is going to be a slam dunk. Well, it was a slam dunk right into the trash can. Uh, I'm actually going to put a video of that up on our on our 680 CJOB Instagram in a moment because we've got these trash cans down the hall, like these community uh, trash cans, and uh, the, the thud of the bag hitting the bottom of the can was the most satisfying part of that whole transaction. So, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about weird potato chips today at 645, and we're going to tie that in sort of to uh, what we're doing at 737, Greg. Yeah, our small small town salute. We're going to celebrate... La Cucina chips, our favorite tortilla chips. I think, uh, I think all three of us uh, voted for those as our favorite tortilla chips when we were talking about great Manitoba inventions, products, and innovations in celebration of Manitoba's 150th birthday on Tuesday. So we're going to go to St. Anne as part of our small town salute and find out how Manitoba became a hotbed for making what most people associate as uh, Mexican food. I'm hungry for nachos now. Loren, was it your favorite chip or tortilla chip as well? Oh, growing up, it's what I picked all the time to have. And if I had enough money from my Chicken Terry dollar days, then I would go buy those kinds of chips. But I actually didn't know until I moved back to Manitoba uh, in my 20s that that was made in Manitoba. I had no idea. One of those things, you know, especially when you're younger, I think you're not really paying attention to where it comes from. You're just thinking, get in my belly. Yeah, but it, it does seem to add a level, an extra level of enjoyment yeah. once you realize, oh, this is a this is a locally made product. That's amazing mm-hmm. uh, because it's just so good. It's so like a, so far ahead of the the rest of the the tortilla chip. 
Suckling McGarry McNabb text message from Kevin the Garbage Man on something we're talking about in our next segment. Weird potato chip flavors. I bought a bag of cheeseburger ruffles over the weekend and they were awful. Kevin the Garbage Man says his second favorite chips are chickpea chips. President's Choice chickpea tortilla chips. So that's interesting, Kevin. Thanks for that tip. He also added, I see they're fixing your pothole in Osborne Village. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. Indeed, they're finally fixing the pothole on Osborne at River. Hey, we were talking yesterday about some of our long weekend plans. And how that is going to work with social distancing. Like, I'm heading out to golf on Sunday at Kingswood in LaSalle, and they've got a patio. Uh, So I'm curious to know how that's going to work if I can sit at the patio table with uh, the guy I'm playing with. I guess we'll probably just have to, like, sit, I don't know, six feet apart or push ourselves out from the table. Uh, but, But there is enough room there, I think, to do that, Loren. Yeah, and it's it's all about just using some common sense and keeping the mind in the background. Like, I don't know if anyone else constantly hears Dr. Brent Rusin talking to them, but I f- think I hear his voice sometimes <laughs> in my head because we've been playing so much audio from him, you know, as long as you're keeping that two meters. So you got to keep those things in mind. But the, the fact remains that since the start of COVID-19 pandemic, the message from our officials has been pretty consistent. Stay home and physically distance. But... You mentioned golf, Brett. Well, all sorts of things are changing as we move through this first phase of the reopening plan. And with the changes, so is the language changing just slightly. Global's Marty Blunt explains. The message from health officials has been clear since the start of the pandemic. Stay home, avoid and postpone all non-essential travel and wash your hands. Now, as the May long weekend approaches and restrictions are gradually loosened, that message is also gradually shifting. Uh, With the reopening strategy, we've moved from that stay home uh, to stay safe. Uh, But we do want people to recognize, and I think Manitobans do, is that this isn't back to normal, though. There's a lot of precautions people still need to take. That message coming as many people look to travel to cottage country or go camping over the May long weekend. But health officials say if you do go... You know, ensure that uh, you're taking everything you need with you to avoid making extra stops along the way. Limit your close prolonged contact with others and if you plan on having friends over this may long weekend certainly meeting people outdoors uh physically distancing um then then we're talking about uh, lower risk type activities um keeping those numbers below 10. and if you're feeling symptoms no matter how mild stay at home some key reminders that can help keep our curve flat as we head into the may long weekend marnie blunt global news So what's all this going to look like in your mind? And I think that's what we were discussing yesterday, guys, this idea that with these uh, changing languages and uh, decrees that there's going to be a little bit of an open for interpretation factor here. Stay home and wash your hands. That was pretty simple. That was pretty direct. Now to stay safe, outdoor, lower your risk. That might be changing your plans for the weekend. We already know as mentioned, we can golf, we can camp, and as you heard in Marnie Blunt's story, they're no longer stay, saying stay away from the cottage, just stay away from stopping and shopping at different points along the way to the cottage. And despite recommendation from the province to avoid making stops on the way to the cabin, South Whiteshell Chamber of Commerce President Corley Sweeting says many of their businesses are open for customers this weekend and they want you to know they have physical distancing measures in place and proper cleaning 
protocols. You want to respect, obviously, his guidelines, um, but uh, just know that the businesses out here are uh, respecting those as well. And, you know, the grocery stores are open. They've taken those measures in. The golf courses open. They've taken those measures as well. So as always, there are our concerns for our health. They've been there for months. And then we have those concerns for our local business and the economy. And, and as you said, Greg, it's going to become that decision point in your mind. For many, this is going to feel like a gray area. Maybe I can just stop in here and grab the hot dogs for the weekend. Maybe I can just stop here and buy my case of beer as opposed to picking it up in my own neighborhood or my own town. So there'll be a lot of gray for some Manitobans. But when it comes to traveling across the province this weekend for the premier, it's black and white. Here's what he had to say. Show some respect for the people in those communities. They're scared about getting COVID into their community. They don't have big health facilities there. They don't need Manitobans going in there and getting sick. So the best thing we can do here is just leave no trace. Every camper, hiker, outdoors person knows exactly what I mean when I say leave no trace. Go straight there. Have a great time. Come straight home. So let us know what you think about this at 204-780-6868. What are you going to do with this information this weekend? Are you going to head to the cottage? Will you pack prepared? Are you going to have friends over? Greg, what are you going to do with this information? I don't think I'm going to change very much uh, with the weather forecast. Great opportunity to get out in the yard and do a bunch of stuff. But I suspect the invitations will start flowing in today or tomorrow uh, based on this change of advice. And that might not mean an invitation out to a cottage, but maybe over to somebody's home, into the backyard for a fire, for a barbecue. Uh, Yeah, there's going to be that temptation for a lot of us to mark this long weekend with some changes in what we've been doing for the last eight, nine weeks. Uh, We've been doing Zoom cocktail hour every Saturday night for the last eight weeks. We didn't do it last week, uh, but it's the first time since the start of this that we hadn't with the same group of friends. And I I know they're sort of all itching to get together. Ah, Just, uh, I'm, I'm just you know, concerned that we're a lot of us or some of us or enough of us are going to see this as a a flashing green light to to almost do whatever we like, Loren. Well, it doesn't mean have a party. It doesn't mean run around, you know, hugging and and, uh, sitting as close as possible to friends and family. Uh, The question, I don't know, I don't believe the question, and I've tried to listen as many days as possible to those briefings or or rewatch them when they, when I can online. And I don't know, I don't believe the question was asked about, you know, when you get to, when you get to these gatherings, like this is not the time to go running into one another's arms and hugs and and kiss or whatever might, might be your inclination, because he's still saying, you know, have people in your backyard if you want. But make sure they're healthy. Make sure you're healthy. Don't be don't be doing it with people who have immunocompromised uh, systems or people, you know, the elderly, like there's still a checklist you should probably be going through. And it still includes those distancing requirements or or keep your distance up as much as possible. Right. And so there's a bit of a be smart about it. You know, use your common sense. And then there's a bit about there's still a guideline out there. And so I think I I think this is I, I want to believe this is where Manitobans have been fairly successful over the past two months you know we have low numbers hopefully for a reason that perhaps we adopted stricter measures as early as possible and so keep keep those in the back of your mind if you're hearing a health official if you're sitting around a fire this weekend and you're thinking to yourself i might be too close to this person not to the fire then you're thinking the right way right you you know just common (laughs) sense common sense approach brett what are you going to do 
I'm well, like I said, I'm going golfing on Sunday, but other than that, I don't have any plans yet. I imagine I'll go see my dad and hang out in the backyard there. Uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll get my sister to pop by as well, and the three of us can kind of form a little triangle of lawn chairs and uh, and have a chat. Maybe I'll drop by and see some friends. I don't know. I haven't really thought it all that much through. I'm just looking forward to having the Monday off to try to get some sleep, uh, especially after last night because I was up till 11 o'clock watching the Survivor finale, so I'm exhausted. So the long weekend couldn't come anytime sooner. <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, in case you're just tuning in earlier, I documented, I detailed my frustration over the weekend as I bought a bag of chips that has been tempting me for a couple of weeks at the grocery store because there's a huge display of them right as you walk out. It's Ruffles, and the flavor was cheeseburger. They had cheeseburger and hot wings chips. I never, haven't tried either of them, and I was tempted to try the cheeseburger one. Finally caved in on Saturday Got home, had a handful of them, and they were disgusting. I threw them out. I have never thrown out a bag of chips before it was empty. That's how bad I thought they were. So I'm curious to know, what kind of weird potato chip flavors have you tried? Like, listen to this text message we got from Jeff from East St. Paul. Uh, Where did it go now? It's disappeared. He said his, his dad was sent to the store last Thanksgiving for turkey stuffing mix, and he came back with turkey stuffing flavored <laughs> chips, and they were delicious. So I'd say that's a successful trip to the store. So Jeff Forte is here alongside Kelly Moore, Jeff Braun, and of course Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. Forte, you cracked your mic first. What uh, weird chips have you tried? Um, well, actually, sometimes I make my own type of flavor. Like, I'll go and buy two bags of Doritos. Uh-huh. I'll buy, like, intense pickle and, like, bold barbecue. And I take the two chips, put them together, and put them in my mouth. Really? It's delicious. So you make yourself, like, a little bit tortilla sandwich. Yeah. It's it's good. You know, you get different flavors. And, How know. did you land on intense pickle and bold barbecue for this combination? Actually, I'm not quite sure. My brother my brother actually <laughs> suggested it. And so I followed his way, and, it, yeah, it's delicious. So, uh that's, that's what I do sometimes. Besides that, like, uh, what's the chip you said? Uh, chicken wings or something like that? Roast chicken? Yeah, there's one I had. It was like uh, blue cheese. And- it was, yeah, it was the uh, old Dutch had the hot wing and blue cheese dressing. Oh. Uh, it's so good. That was a few years ago. So good. Yeah. Oh, that sounds fun. And I think Old Dutch recently re- uh, re-released their barbecue chips uh, in, like, the, the classic sort of packaging. From what I understand, I've seen some pictures of that on social media. Jeff Braun, you like your burgers plain. Um, am I guessing the, the potato chip is also uh, the same kind of th- deal? Yeah, uh, plain is my absolutely my go-to without any dip, just plain chips and a, like I say, like a glass of tap and tap, and tap water. <laughs> but, <laughs> when I was in when I was in high school, there was a canteen in the cafeteria, and they'd sold chips. And I think they actually the chip companies used the high school kids as like guinea pigs to test out new flavors because we did we got like one flavor that came through there was called turkey dinner. Not stuffing, just turkey dinner, and it, it was all right. Mm-hmm. I didn't particularly taste like turkey or anything. And then the one that was quite popular that I just lived a very short life, as far as I know, was uh, fries with gravy. Oh, those were good. Potato chips. Those were good. Did you like yeah. them? I don't know. How come? It, I did like them. I don't understand why, if we all liked them, why would they stop making them? 
I don't get that either. When they when they release a chip that that is popular or that's doing well, there there's a chip that I tried a few years ago. You know how Lay's they they often have these these contests where you decide which of the four new flavors they're going to keep. And one year they had Montreal yeah. smoked meat, which sounds like it shouldn't work as a potato chip, but I loved them. I would inhale them like an auric vacuum. Uh, so they were amazing. What about you, Loren? You love potato chips? Oh, I love them. But I I hate new flavors. Like I get really, really annoyed if I reach into a bowl and I'm like pretty sure it's salt and vinegar and it turns out being something else and I'm just mad. I'm like, oh, is that is that smoked something or is that sour cream? So I don't like to expand my horizons on the chip front. I've always said salt and vinegar is my favorite, but I have traveled a lot. And when you travel and you're looking for chips that you can snack on, it's really hard because in many countries, obviously different languages and different kinds of flavors are more interesting in some countries over others. And uh, you should Google this because in Thailand, they have the most bizarre flavors you've ever seen. And you're trying to go by the picture or the color of the bag. Like at home, this would be a dill pickle color. Is this going to be dill pickle? Nope. It's sushi uh, or like scalloped flavored. They have lobster flavor, like just really like a big picture of a lobster on the bag. And you're thinking, who would love this? <laughs> But you got, but you're Me? obsessed with chips. Yeah, so you try it. So you try it, and you're like, that is most definitely not a ketchup flavor. It's a red bag, but that is not ketchup. That's lobster. So I'll, I'll try it, but I don't like it. Kelly Moore. Well, I'm into plain chips as well because uh, I just, I just love that that salty taste to them, and, and I don't really like anything else with them. But I can remember a few years ago i remember those fries and gravy chips and i thought they were absolutely hideous and pringles pizza <laughs> chips remember them yep oh those are i good. love pizza, I have some in my house but, oh but i just uh, i yeah it was it was an on-starter i i don't know if i had quite the uh, discipline you did brett in terms of throwing them away before i ate them but i never bought a second tin yeah, Mary texting saying she tried the Ruffles cheeseburger chips as well. I didn't throw them out, but I will not be buying them again. She adds that she liked the Ruffles loaded potato skins chips, but they no longer make those. Greg, what about you? Weird potato chip flavors you've tried? Well, I like the idea of those turkey stuffing chips and crushing those up and putting them in the in the turkey instead of stuffing. Oh, that sounds I think like that a... would be the way to go. I'm looking at some of the stranger potato chips as well. Milk chocolate creamy caesar flavor that'd be good borscht flavor <laughs> and then here's the one <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. here's here's the one though that i i wanted to try but i think they had them at food fair grilled cheese and ketchup sandwich uh flavored chips oh nice because uh, i love grilled cheese and i do dip it in ketchup chicken and waffles but my absolute flavor is anything but dill pickle, but uh, <laughs> I, I got to tell you <laughs> that the uh, the hot wing and uh, blue cheese from Old Dutch, if you're going sort of on the exotic side, I would have those every single time. And Old Dutch as well. I, I don't know how recent this is, but I've mentioned this before, but the they've got uh, creamy guacamole in their Ariba line of chips. It comes in a lime green bag. Mm -hmm. I recently, I was at a gas station two weeks ago standing in line waiting to buy a lottery ticket and I looked over, saw them and thought, uh, that looks new. I'm trying those. And uh, they are amazing. So keep texting us. Let us know the weird potato chip flavors you have tried. We got someone here saying... Uh, Limo, le lemon lays that they bought in Mexico, and they've also oh. seen them in California. That's from Kathleen. 
That's the, another one I hate. You know, when you go for the tortilla ones and they've someone's infused them with lime for no reason. I just don't surprise me. I don't want to be surprised. <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Just a couple of quick text messages from 204-780-6868 on the subject of weird potato chip flavors you've tried. And someone has come up with a creative recipe here. They say spread maple bacon chips on a cookie sheet and drizzle milk chocolate over them. That sounds neat. Someone else saying years ago when I was in Ecuador, ketchup chips were literally plain chips with ketchup packets included. And Loren, I don't know if you saw this, but someone sent a picture of uh, chips taken in China and Mm -hmm. they were there in December and there was a brown bag. The flavor was grilled eel. Yeah, and it gets to my point. If you looked at that flavor and were trying to match, because you maybe can't read the language on it, you're thinking, okay, brown, brown at home. What would that be? Would that maybe be a barbecue? Okay, I could do barbecue. And then you open it up, and it's grilled eel. You didn't see that coming. No one saw that coming. Keep those coming at 204-780-6868, and we'll share some of them throughout the day. And again, a reminder, at 737 for a small-town salute. We're heading to St. Anne to talk to La Cochina. They make those delicious tortilla chips. We were telling you in the last hour about the move at the University of Manitoba, Greg, to put all of its courses online for the fall semester. Well, as you can imagine, it's a massive undertaking, but the university says given current public health guidelines, it has no choice but to prepare for the possibility students will need to continue with e-learning come September. It's not clear if other universities or colleges will follow suit, but for many post-secondary students, online learning, Loren, could be the new norm. Of course, we know many people have been doing that for weeks now. Some university courses have moved online. And of course, elementary and high school kids have been doing e-learning or some form or attempting online learning for about two months now. And so with this shift at the University of Manitoba, there's the question about how other schools might be preparing for the weeks and months ahead. Alan Campbell is the president of the Manitoba School Boards Association and has joined us regularly over the past few months to update us on, on how all this learning is going remotely and is with us again this morning. Good morning, Alan. Good morning. Well, thanks for taking the time for being with us. Uh, I want to get to how things are currently going in a moment, but first, a lot of people now are thinking about what is temporary and what might become more permanent, and I'm curious what conversations have taken place or discussions around the possibility that come fall, we stay, still might have these guidelines to stick to, these social distancing guidelines, which could mean that online classes continue in the fall for elementary and high schools as well. What conversations have happened? Yeah, so thanks for having me on. And, and I think I've mentioned in the last few weeks and months that school divisions are having almost daily, but for sure, several weekly conversations with each other and with government around planning. And, and the frequency of those meetings has come down a bit. But the, the subject matter hasn't changed. And in the, in the here and the now, we are focusing on students and families and continuing to support them through the academic year. But when it comes to how we plan for the future, we're doing our best to plan for all scenarios. And I know that's a difficult statement to comprehend, and believe me, it's a difficult thing to plan for. But as you just referenced, um, the unknown is still a big part of, of the conversations that we're having, and to what extent online learning may still need to be part of what we do uh, remains a question. Um, right now, our planning continues to be for a resumption of classes uh, in the fall of 2020, Um, and we need to understand what that will look like logistically. 
uh, and we will continue to to speak with uh, Dr. Rusin and and with government on a regular basis. The, the the problem that we have, the challenge that we have is we're talking about about September, uh, and the best information that we will have to plan for September may not be available until August, uh, when Chief Public Health uh, uh, Officer Dr. Rusin and others can forecast what we will need to do to plan for September. So. Um, we continue to try to plan for every eventuality, but um, we're looking at combinations of online learning and classroom learning and, and looking at other jurisdictions like Quebec and, and places in Europe where they have plans to resume classroom learning in the more immediate future to understand what's best for Manitobans. Some form of e-learning has been going on in most divisions for weeks now. What's the feedback been from both teachers and parents? I think it's it's like any other aspect of public education. The feedback has been varied. Um, online learning is going very well for many Manitoba families. Um, we hear stories every day about students and and parents who are doing well with this, who are thriving with the it, with the opportunity to focus at home on the on the classroom or on the online learning and what is being uh, shared out from schools. And then we have families who are struggling and students who are struggling. And then we have many Manitoba families who have not connected with their school once uh, in the last several weeks. And those are families that we are probably most concerned about for a whole bunch of reasons. And, and trying to connect with them at a local level with the resources that we have locally continues to be a priority. Alan, uh, you know, uh, Quebec, you mentioned them and, and the fact that uh, they, they've started to reopen their schools. Uh, very uh, limited uptake in terms of parents sending their, their children back to school. 20% was uh, very common in a lot of the initial phases of this reopening. I don't know what it's been like the last couple of days, but is there a possibility here uh, as we try and reopen the economy? There are some parents that have no choice if they go back to work. They need a place for their children to be during the day then there are others uh twitter said just the other day that if you want to work from home forever we're going to let you do that is there a chance that we see some sort of hybrid solution here because one of the concerns is that having all these children in a classroom designed for 25 kids you can't effectively physically distance 25 kids in a standard classroom no, and, and I, I think that when we, when as school boards, we've had conversations about class size with teachers and with the government for years, and this type of reality never came into play, and I bet you there's a lot of people wishing that it had uh, in terms of planning. But I think when, when you consider what a hybrid situation looks like, we've heard, we've heard uh, examples from other jurisdictions like, you know, a kindergarten, the school day cycle, the six-day cycle, and kindergarten students go on Half of them go on even days and half of them go on odd days. And we're looking to see if, if there's an application for other grades uh, for that so that we can continue to bring everyone into the school to engage with their teacher and engage with the resources that are available in the building, but to do it in a way that maintains uh, physical distancing to whatever extent is possible. Um, um, those are the types of things that we're looking at. Uh, one thing I will also add is that we have identified that for many Manitoba families, online learning is a reality. And does that change conversations around snow days and extreme cold days and what, uh, what expectations can be around that? And I mean, I know those are things we don't want to talk about. We're just having spring for the first time this weekend, but uh, all of those things are on the table.
Alan Campbell is the president of the Manitoba School Boards Association, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Alan, thank you very much for the time, sir. Much appreciated. Thank you very much. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we are in the sweet spot of our day where all three of us are getting a little bit hungry. Although I... I I think I've been hungry all morning because we've been talking about food and potato chips all morning. So any talk or thought of a meal from one of our amazing restaurants in this city will almost certainly create a distraction, Loren. Yeah, and restaurant owners and operators and, of course, their staff, they've had plenty of distractions right now. The most pressing, of course, is how they're going to keep their doors open. Last week, a survey from Restaurants Canada revealed that 70% of restaurants have serious concerns over their ability to just survive over the next three months. And then 20% of respondents in that same survey said they are dealing with a landlord who is unwilling to entertain any sort of rent relief, Ray. Yeah, just last night, an extremely popular Osborne Village restaurant, Segovia, announced on social media that they had made the decision to permanently close, quote, the big wooden doors. This announcement comes a day after most of us learned that Tony Roma's location on Nairn Avenue is going to remain closed, henceforth. Canada's 90, 90 $90 billion food service industry employs over 1.3 million people. It's the fourth largest provider of jobs in our economy. One of those hardworking people joins us now. Scott McTaggart, waiter, owner, skip the dishes, courier, <laughs> Fusion Grill, joins us now. Still going out on those delivery calls, Scotty? Oh, yeah, Greg, man. Let me tell you, it's uh, something else. I have a newfound appreciation for the delivery guy <laughs> or girl. Well, that, that's good. <laughs> I think we're having a newfound appreciation for, for what businesses overall are going to. But uh, this got to be tough news to hear, whether it's competition or uh, somebody that you know that's going out of business, Scott. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, my heart just broke uh, just hearing about Segovia. I mean, that's so close to the pin for me. Small independent operator, you know, doing a good job, great reputation, uh, you know, Segovia on a lot of best lists uh, type of thing. And it just it just breaks my heart, just breaks my heart. Yeah, I think a lot of hearts just sort of broke last night just because of the idea of um, how much we love local. And we're so proud of our food scene here in Winnipeg. And to even lose just one sort of it shows you just sort of the tentacles of this pandemic and, and how far and reaching it might be. Curious, Scott, if in conversations with other people in your circles and, and other restaurant owners, what are you hearing? How close are we to losing more in this industry? I don't I I. I can't tell you how close we are. It's, it's very difficult. You can imagine, Greg, you can imagine you're in the restaurant business. You're, you're, uh, you know the margins are very thin to start with. It's very competitive out there. Uh, your sales drop 80%. How, you know, you're basically, you know, we've been uh, at Fusion Grill, we've been lucky, we've been successful to bring that 80% up to 50%, but we're still, you know, operating at 50% of where we were. There's three of us here that are working super hard to make it happen. But we're, so we're lucky, you know, we're lucky to be able to do that. Across Canada, I mean, I was talking to a colleague in Regina and his mortgage is up um, for his uh, business uh, and he had to go to the bank. And, you know, this is a strong, uh, articulate uh, man, successful operator. And I could hear in his voice on the phone 
I could hear it cracking and, it, you know, just the pressure. And he and his wife both work in the business. And, you know, they're, you're bringing the stress home. They're fighting with, amongst themselves. And, they're, you know, they're trying to be optimistic. But it's just such a burden over such a long period of time. And, and you know, good accounting practices tell you, you know, you should have three months worth of, you know, nest eggs tucked away. Well, I mean, three months, we're two months now. So in one month, what's it going to look like? That scares me. Are, is Fusion Grill in danger of going under? Well, we're losing just enough money to stay open. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a normal restaurant business plan, Scott. Well, well, that's right, Greg. That's right, man. I mean, you know, there's three of us here. We've cut everything back. We've there's no there's hasn't been anybody in the building um, except for the three of us for the last uh, couple of months. Um, we uh, continue to look for opportunities, you know, ways to innovate what we're doing. We're continuing to take a look at the, you know, the, from the packaging to the exact items on the menu itself. Uh, you know, we're, we're trying to promote the sale of, you know, add-on things. You know, we've got an exclusive uh, Canadian wine list with some labels that you can't get at the wine stores or the liquor marts. And um, we're trying to promote all of those things and give people reasons why they would want to invite fusion grill to the to their home tables and you know we're and and we're doing you know we're, we've got some great people out there that are uh using us for birthdays and anniversaries and different celebrations and then people that are just saying look we don't we don't want fusion grill to go down we want you to be here when you're back so they're they've been ordering from us for every week now you know that's it, it just absolutely is touching i've got i mean beyond beyond uh when people actually say they want to support you and want to see you, and then they act out, you know, by actually every week you get a phone call. Yeah, hard- that whole idea that whole idea of losing enough money to stay open is something else, right? No, I mean, absolutely. That, that's just, so many people live by that. The, the fixed expenses, uh, give, just give those of us that don't know just that idea of, of what a burden, especially right now with your your, uh, your loss of revenue, what a burden those fixed costs are because they don't go away whether you sell one beer, one steak, or or hundreds of either. And Ben, just, and sorry, we only have about 30 seconds, Scott. Sorry to jump sure, in. Sure, sure. No, 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 no problem. I mean, we, uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, that is the case, but I mean, we're, uh, you know, there's, there's fusion girls been around for a long time. We've had good years and bad years. We've had to, you know, uh, really be able to uh, figure out ways to make, uh, make it work. And, and, uh, I'm a little apprehensive right now with people talking about reopening that type of thing. And, uh, it's, it scares me because, um, I just don't, I just uh, don't hear it from my my patrons i hear it from the people out there they say yeah we got to get things open and i say well you're going to come to the restaurant and they're like oh no way <laughs> right well like, i'm like well okay please don't take your foot off the gas of buying uh, uh ordering takeout and delivery don't think that the restaurants are okay we're not okay just because you know a couple of patios open or the dining room is going to open up with social distancing our worst week in the last eight was the last week the dining room was open so please continue to order takeout and delivery from your favorite little restaurants around Winnipeg. Scott McTaggart, owner, waiter, skip the dishes courier for Fusion Grill. Scott, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much, buddy. Hey, you're welcome, and thanks for thinking of me, guys. Much appreciated. 
Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb coming up after Global News at 9.30. We are going to speak to our friend Kelly Keene. If you can't access the CERB, what else is out there and what other financial questions should we be asking at this time? But we start this hour by asking the question, did you have a trip planned that you had to cancel because of COVID-19? Did you maybe miss out on a concert or a game? Yeah, many events have come and gone, or at least the date on the calendar has, Brett, and many would-be concert goers are still wondering about a refund or thinking about events that are coming up that might also be cancelled as the pandemic takes away so many things from our everyday lives. And we do know that Ticketmaster and other agencies are working to try to get money back to customers, but the experience definitely hasn't been the same for everyone, and that bodes the same for people trying to get refunds for trips they booked before the pandemic hit as well, Greg. Yeah, and I'm in the boat of two of those three things. I had a trip planned to BC that had to be cancelled and also, of course, I'm a jet season ticket holder, so I've got uh, money tied up in that as well. Gabber Lukacs is a Canadian air passenger rights advocate and he joins us now. Yeah, Gabber, good to speak to you. Are you in Nova Scotia still? Good morning. Yes, I'm in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Well, it's always great to, to, to speak with you. You spent some time in our province and uh, uh, our loss is Nova Scotia's gain. Hey, hey, let's start with people whose trips were cancelled over the past few months. Do we know, do we have an idea of what percentage were able to get their money back? Unfortunately, the vast majority of the uh, people who booked on a Canadian airline are still struggling one way or another. Many have uh, initiated chargebacks on their credit cards because the airlines simply refused to obey the law. When it comes to American Airlines, uh, the uh, U.S. Department of Transport, DOT, issued an enforcement notice on April 3rd and then a second warning just uh, uh, two days ago on Tuesday on May 12th, reminding and warning airlines that they have to issue refunds for cancelled flights and when a flight has a substantial change. Uh, in the European Union, when we look there, um, the European Union uh, was under a lot of pressure from some states that wanted uh, to allow airlines to just issue, issue vouchers. But just yesterday, the European Union made it clear that they have no sense of humor when it comes to the rule of law. And they are actually taking legal action against 12 European states that have been harboring, endorsing unlawful practices, basically telling airlines you can ignore the law and just give vouchers. So when we look at the uh, Western world, um, U.S. and the European Union, they have both made it very, very, very clear that airlines have to issue refunds. Airlines are allowed to, uh, to tempt people with a great vouchers offer. For example, if, if Air Canada told Canadian passengers that you, you will get twice as much money on vouchers as in cash, perhaps some people would be tempted and would accept it. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what it was made clear that uh, in Europe and the U.S., that they, airlines cannot force vouchers on passengers. In Canada, on the other hand, the Trudeau government is failing Canadians in that regard. They, the Canadian Transportation Agency, the federal regulator, uh, issued an unlawful statement uh, in late March purporting to endorse the practice of providing vouchers. Then we took uh, the Canadian Transportation Agency to court, and then they are trying now to a little bit dial back on that and say, oh, it was only a non-binding policy statement and just our suggestion, but the damage has already been done. And that kind of statement is being used, unfortunately, also very widely to frustrate the ability of Canadians to obtain refunds. When people apply for chargebacks 
Uh, I see the dispute coming back from the airlines, all citing the same misleading document from the federal regulator. What do I do if I'm still fighting for a refund on a trip that's come and gone? Yeah, the way to fight for it is to contact your credit card company and uh, start a dispute, a chargeback. First, you have to make a good faith effort to obtain a refund from the company, from the airline itself. That's one attempt. Once they told you no, preferably in writing, then you just proceed to a chargeback. And uh, the credit card companies have an obligation to give you back the money. Uh, it may be a lengthy process. The airline may try to file back. But ultimately, the fundamental principle is that the airline cannot just change the terms and conditions on you after the fact. When you bought a ticket, you didn't agree to get gift cards. You didn't agree to get future credit. You agreed to travel on a particular date and a particular uh, flight, particular itinerary, and they are not providing that. So this is a case of uh, services not received. So there's the fight for things that have come and gone, Gabor, and then there's the fight for what might come, and we don't know what the future will bring, but people are talking about booking trips, and some people that we know have booked trips for, say, October or November with the hope that there'll be a resumption to normal. Is there something I need to consider when I make those future planning trips? Should there be extra insurance I buy, or will COVID still be something I can be covered for if it's still part of our lives? What, what sort of checklist should we go through as we plan for future travel? At this point, I would not book any future travel. Um, you know, I, I have family in Europe and uh, Hungary. My grandmother and my father are there. And I told them that likely they would not be seeing me for the next uh, um, 12 to 24 months because I don't think it's realistic in the circumstances. Um, when, when you look at uh, insurances, most insurances uh, will have some clauses explicitly uh, exclude COVID-19, other insurances will uh, refuse to cover situations where you are being offered vouchers or future credit. Uh, they don't count it really as a loss for the purposes of, of uh, travel insurance, which I think is wrong, but those are the terms of the insurance and that's something that everybody has to respect. So uh, currently I would be even concerned whether there are adequate insurances on the market, never mind how much the cost for it is. Uh, I, w- I would say that in the current situation, the pressure has to come from consumers on the air and travel service providers that they agree to terms and conditions that you can cancel and get a full refund, um, which is what the law has been. But even even I think I should even go one step further and they should be offering uh, refundable tickets only at this point. And if the Airlines are not smart enough. The government should be imposing that, not only for financial reasons, but also we don't want people who feel that they may be sick to hide at their AL just to get on the plane because they are afraid of losing their money. We have heard mm-hmm. of cases where people may be taking uh, aspirin, Tylenol um, to get on the, on the plane when they actually have a fever. And the most important thing to stop the epidemics and, and prevent a second wave of, of the epidemics of the pandemic is to ensure that anybody who absolutely has to travel and who buys a ticket can easily cancel and just get back their money without worrying, without having any financial incentive for hiding if they are sick. And you could make the argument that that probably helped us get to the situation we are in now, right, Gabor, is, is people not wanting to be stuck where they were, people uh, fibbing or outright lying about uh, where they'd been and, and what they were dealing with. But I have to ask you, uh, the airlines, the cruise lines, the hotels, they're not making it easy for you to turn away right now. They are offering some incredibly attractive deals. They've sort of reduced their restrictions on uh, certain 
certain things in terms of booking and rebooking, they're going to make it very difficult for some people to say no to rolling the dice on planning some future travel in the not too distant future. Well, you know, I, I am, I'm really fighting for people who uh, had their flights booked before the COVID-19 uh, pandemic and now they are not getting refunds. But I would have far less sympathy at a, at a personal level, not the legal level, but the personal level, to people who in the current situation, knowing what is happening, still agree to take a risk and roll the dice. Uh, you know, if you want to gamble with your money, you can buy a vacation or go to the casino, probably equally risky at this point. Um, but that, that's, I would, I must caution that uh, I will have some less sympathy for people in that situation who don't absolutely have to buy the ticket. If you just, they, you just think, oh, it's a good deal now. And I suspect that even, of course, may have less sympathy for people who decide to take a very high risk in hopes of cheap prices and then somehow get stuck. So I personally, I recommend people to use lots of caution. If you don't absolutely have to travel, stay home, stay where you are, use Zoom, use uh, GoToMeeting, use Skype. Uh, and uh, actually, we do have a wonderful, beautiful country. Canada has an amazing uh, opportunities. Even uh, you mentioned, I used to live in in um, Winnipeg, and just a couple hours of driving, and you can get to amazing landscapes. Whether you go a little bit uh, uh, east to the border with Ontario, or you go up a little bit north, um, it, the, the province itself has a lot to offer. You don't have to travel thousands of kilometers if you really want to just be in the nature. Gabor Lukacs is a Canadian air passenger rights advocate. Joining us live on 680 CJOB. Gabor, thank you as always for the time. We appreciate it, sir. Thank you very much for having me. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Got to quickly mention the question of the day at cjob.com. Brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. With the province shifting its messaging from stay home to stay safe, will you start hosting or visiting friends? So far at cjob.com, 43% say have already done so safely. 33% say no, too risky. And 24% say yes, can't wait. We put that poll up on Twitter as well, at 680CJOB. But different result there. 55% say no, too risky. 26% say yes, can't wait. And only 19% say have already done it. So you can cast your vote at CJOB.com or on Twitter at 680CJOB. Financial challenges are a part of everyday life for so many Canadians, even in the most stable of economic situations. So we want to help you, if we can, in navigating some of your options during this difficult time. And we know this is a hard conversation to have. It was hard before this pandemic. Lots of people want to stick their fingers in the ear, ears, Brett, and kind of do that la-la-la-la-la noise <laughs> because they don't want to talk about their finances because it can make us un comfortable we have a relationship with our money and an ability or inability to navigate the financial stressors of our lives there's disagreements over money and in fact we know that that can be one of the leading causes greg of friction in marriages and one of the leading causes of divorce no question about it that gail uh, van oxley lady oh, she used to scare me i couldn't even watch her tv show what she would put people through on their financial do- diet we don't need to tell you that the finances of millions of canadians has been upended by the covid 19 pandemic our next guest is here to highlight some options in this difficult economy kelly Keane is an author personal finance educator speaker 
She's our friend. She's also the consumer advocate for FP Canada. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, my friends. Great to be with you. Well, we never have enough time with you, so we're just going to jump into this uh, right now. The CERB or the CERB, Canadian Emergency Response Benefit. What is it and who is this intended to help? Right. So this um, is intended, this uh, federal support is intended to help those that have lost their income because of COVID. So uh, all the details are up uh, at Canada.ca. That's the government's website. Also, CRA, the Canada Revenue Agency, has a lot of great information there, too. Really important, guys, that you didn't quit your job, you weren't unemployed before COVID, that benefit's not going to help you. So the CERB, you've lost your income because of COVID, you've either had to stay home, you can still earn $1,000 a month. At the very beginning, you couldn't earn anything. Uh, You have to have earned at least $5,000 in 2019 or the last uh, 12 months. It pays a benefit of $2,000 a month for a maximum of $8,000. So this week signified the third window of opening for CERB. So you do need to apply or reapply every single month because your situation can change. Maybe you're working this month, you're getting some income in, you're not next month, everything's so dynamic and and moving very quickly. So this program's in place till uh, October. There's seven windows of application, but again, you can only actually receive four windows or $8,000 in total for $2,000 a month for this benefit. Lots of conversations have been had over the past few weeks, Kelly, about, you know, the ease of which most people have had in applying and then receiving money from this program. But the fact remains, not everyone will qualify for it. So what other options might be out there if I'm someone who's tried and and failed to get this emergency benefit? Yeah, Lorena, it's not obviously for everyone. I mean, before the third window opened, there was over 11 million total applications for it. So a lot of people have, but yes, lots falling through the cracks. Maybe you're earning slightly more than CERB, but your hours have been slashed. You just don't have that emergency savings account. So the most important thing, regardless if you're in crisis situation or you think you're going to be in trouble in the coming months, you really, as you were saying, Lauren, at the top of this, you've got to take the fingers out of the ears. You really have to. Um, we're all facing changes that we don't want. We, we are, are, are new, uncomfortable, but you've got to take stock of your financial life. So the first thing to do is figure out what do you owe. What are your bills? When are they coming due? What are the amounts? Make yourself just write it out or get fancy and make a little spreadsheet. Um, You probably have kids and a spouse at home and a lot of distractions. So, you know, add the financial stress on top of that. So you want to figure out what is everything that you have to pay this month and next month? What are the interest rates? All that type of stuff. Then you need to figure out who's going to work with you to give you some flexibility. Um, the banks, as I'm sure you know and you've talked about, the big banks have offered, uh, mil- I think, probably close to a million deferrals on mortgages and credit cards. And 90 to 95% of the time when you're contacting your bank, they are saying yes to those deferrals. Uh, the caveat, guys, as you probably know too, long wait lines if you're calling up your bank. So flip open your app or get online if you're not online banking and make an appointment with your app. So they'll actually call you back. Now, it might be days or a week. So this is why you've got to get on this stuff as early as you can because the deferrals can take up to five business days. So don't wait. Um, if your mortgage is coming due, don't wait till a couple days before. 
but the most important thing is that your lender doesn't know if you're in trouble. So don't make the situation worse on yourself to have to clean up in the future by missing payments, having it hurt your credit score, NSF fees that you probably can't afford. It's hard, hard, hard to, to call up these people, these, the banks and your creditors, but at least if you get a deferral, it's not going to hurt your credit because you're not missing payments, you're deferring them. But I need to underscore, this is not forgiveness. These are deferrals. And if you find all of this just too much, maybe reach out to a professional like a nonprofit credit counselor or a certified financial planner. Well, and that was that kind of leads into the question I was about to ask. What other tools should we be inquiring about to help ease our financial pain? Yeah, uh, I mean, so many, Brett. Um, you know, a lot of people are looking at last resorts, right? Uh, maybe cashing in RSPs, which is a quadruple whammy, because you don't get in your hands what you took out. If you take out a thousand, you don't get a thousand in your hands. You lose that RSP room forever. You may still be taxed more next year, and you might be selling at a loss. There's a number of people that can't, you know, couldn't make rent on May 1st, and a survey revealed that 15% of those that were tenants were actually thinking of getting a payday loan. Guys, that, you know, those interest rates can be, depending on your province, like up over 600% interest. Uh, also, a lot of people talking about needing to take a cash advance from your credit card. That, again, can be 20 25% interest. So really, like, look at all the government supports. There's a number of financial planners across the uh, country and, and in Winnipeg offering free pro bono uh, digital phone call uh, consultations for free. So take advantage of those people offering, those professionals offering that, and see if there's anything else um, deferring utilities, taxes, property taxes. But you know what? Don't you know? Make sure you're really on top of your cell phone bill, and make sure you're really on top of your internet bill. You don't want those things cut off, and it's really hard to get through to those companies if you do get them cut off. So make sure you're really on top of those. Yeah, those are critical pieces of infrastructure right now. That's your connection uh, to everything right now. It might be your source of, of how you're doing work. Two quick questions on the CERB, uh, Kelly. The first one is, if you've seen uh, lots of people been asked to take a pay cut, does that uh, disqualify you with regard to the CERB? Or do you have to have, you know, not be working at all? Yeah, so if it, it, that's a very good question. So your, your work has to have been disrupted. You've lost work. It doesn't have to be totally. You still can be earning $1,000 maximum a month. So if you're working from home, you've been cut, you know, or you're just going in a little bit and it's $1,000 or less that you're earning, you can apply for CERB. Now, keep in mind, again, your, your situation might change rapidly. Then you got CERB and now you got your job back or you earned more than $1,000. Make sure you're tucking some money away because they, they may come back for that. They will come back for that if you got paid and you shouldn't have been. Um, and also remember that CERB isn't ta- it, 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 the tax is not withheld and you're going to have to pay tax on it next year. So if at all possible, tax a little bit away because you're going to have to um, pay tax depending on your marginal tax bracket. And that was the second part of my question. This this idea of it might be fairly easy, quote unquote, to get it right now. But just because you got approved for it now doesn't mean you're not going to be under certain scrutiny and, and obligation, including the tax down the road. 
Yeah, absolutely. And they, they know who got it, right? There were some people uh, at the beginning that were getting EI and CERB. They were getting double payments. So they, they have said that they don't have time to come after people right now, but they will. And they can track this through your social insurance number. So, um, you know, uh, like, yeah, don't apply for it if you don't need it. And if you have received it, uh, and you think that you shouldn't have, maybe tuck that away. I'm going to give you guys a toll-free number as well for CERB questions. This is a CRA-dedicated line for CERB-specific questions. It's 1-833-966-2099. Because I know a lot of people have nuances. They don't know if their income qualifies. Give that number a call. They'll help you out. Kelly Keene joining us live on 680 CJOB. She is an author. She's a personal finance educator. She's a speaker. She is also the consumer advocate for FP Canada. Her website is kellykeen.com. That's K-E-L-L-E-Y-K-E-E-H-N.com. Kelly, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you all. Be safe. And Loren, by the way, when you did that la-la-la-la-la thing, I thought for a second that you had an actual recording of one of my meetings with my financial advisor, Fred, <laughs> because whenever he starts talking, that's pretty much what I do. I put my fingers in my ears and just say, no, not listening, not I, listening. I, I don't put my fingers in my ears, Brett, but I hear like this white noise or something. It's like everything gets distorted. Like she phones up and says, we need to. And I'm like, because I... And I don't mean to sound dumb about it. I'm not following the ball quickly there when it comes. I want to pay attention. I don't necessarily understand everything, right? And so it starts to feel like you're back in a grade 11 physics class or something. Whatever was the class where you just, you know, it just didn't compute right away. It needs to be slower for me and and, uh, really well explained. And then I get it in the long run. And I'm all about saving. We try as hard as we can. But I don't necessarily know what it's all doing once it's all out there. It's like it's floating around in a cloud for me, Brett. (laughs) It's a double-edged sword because it's something we don't understand. (laughs) It's something we don't understand. We don't, and we don't really want to talk about it. Like it's really two bad things all at once when it comes to money. If you're, you know, kind of got your head down in the sand and singing "Fla la 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 la." Just got to quickly mention this, guys. Uh, got a phone call. One of our listeners called just to find out if I ordered, as I said I was going to, from the Burger Factory yesterday for takeout day because I said I was going to get some Burger Factory. Well, when I went to order it, it was closed. I found out that they've been closed since late March. So I ended up trying the North Star Drive-In for the first time. I've never had that. And I ordered something called the Sweet Dreams Are Made of Cheese Burger. <laughs> It's a burger that oh. has, it's got matzo sticks on the burger. Oh, get oh, like, out. Like deep fried matzo sticks? Yes. Oh. And, and? And, and bacon and chili. And it was oh. excellent. And it was for, Where I, are they, Brett? Like what part of the city do I need to be living in? I think they're in the North End. I, I think they're on McGregor. Uh, but I ordered it on Skip the Dishes. So. North Star Drive and writing that one down. Sweet dreams are made of cheese. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. 
And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry. B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.